The following is a Furnished Brothers production. Introducing your host, Rob. Put your best players out there, Mike. And Ryan. He missed the net, and it somehow went in. This is the Talking Buds Podcast. episode 15 of the Talking Buds podcast. I'm Rob, and with me as always is my brother Ryan. What is going on, my brother? Here we go, another week, episode 15 of the Talking Buds podcast, buddy. No shortage of things to talk about this week, man. I Like, let's just get right into it. Everybody in Leaf Nation is freaking out after possibly the two most disappointing games of this new era of the Leafs, the Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Nylander era of the Leafs. Everybody's freaking out. How are you feeling? Well, dude, it's it's hard not to freak out. You, you take a look at the standings. You go on your Sportsnet app or your TSN app or whatever app you want. You click NHL standings. You look at the, where the Toronto Maple Leafs are, and you look at people behind or the teams behind them. And you're starting to get a little freaked out a little bit because the lead they built up is now completely closed. The gap is closed. These teams are catching up. They aren't playing well. It's a cloud of negativity right now. So they've lost five of their last eight. The last two losses being a hard-fought yet still disappointing 3-2 loss of the Boston Bruins last Saturday. And then what was, quite frankly... One of the most frustrating, disappointing, infuriating losses I can remember last night to the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, it was extremely frustrating, especially when you go up early and you're kind of excited and you're like, oh man, we're getting on the right track here. You know what? We lost to Boston, but you know what? We're playing a struggling Avalanche team. We have a chance to climb up another two points in the standings, play a good game, but... That wasn't the case, my brother. We'll get into um, the obvious talking point, which is Jake Gardner in a few minutes, but I want to start with Mike Babcock's post-game comments. Babcock, after the game, had this to say. We've only got ourselves to blame. Myself as the head coach, I'm responsible. We didn't play well enough, we didn't play hard enough, and the players are the same way. We weren't good enough. Since Christmas, we haven't been engaged enough and haven't competed at a high enough level. I agree. Since coming back from the Christmas break, Ryan, this team, they, the frustrating thing about them is this team has all the skill and talent in the world, but they, as we, I feel like we talk about this week after week on here, 
It's just they're missing that edge, that grit, that compete. Like, being skilled can only take you so far in the National Hockey League. And I think you see, as particularly against Boston, that mental edge that the Bruins have, that level of compete that the Bruins have, that the Leafs just simply don't have. And it cost them last night again against the Avalanche. They, they were brutal, top to bottom, brutal last night. Well, it drives me nuts, especially when you bring up that Bruins game is, yeah, this is a skilled hockey team. We get it. And everyone's always like, oh, they play a speed game. They're a speed hockey team. But they do. They got outskated all night. All night they got outskated. And last night they got outskated. So, like, if this is such a speed hockey team, this is our strength, then why are we getting outskated? Yeah, you need to play a little heavier, but that has nothing to do with moving your feet and getting to the puck. Like, if this is a speed hockey team, where is it? They're getting outskated. It's actually a good thing for me personally that we didn't jump on and record last night after the game. We gave it a night because I was I was fired up last night after that game. And I've since had some time to calm down, digest, really sit and think about it. You can look at it two ways. And this this team, we've talked a lot on the show about this team being so polarizing because it really is two schools of thought. I spent a lot of time at work today listening to the radio because I'm in I work at Rogers for Sportsnet I listen to uh, I have the access to the fan 590 all day so you get to hear all kinds of different takes I'm talking with co-workers and stuff there's people who are freaking out the team's no good the defense is no good we're wasting our time what are we doing and then there's the other people who are like listen they're still 28 and 15 second in the, in the division well into a playoff spot relax it's just a stretch of the season they're gonna get it figured out so where are you personally on that debate I'm kind of you know I always try to find the the reasons why you shouldn't be negative and our expectations of how this team was supposed to go but just watching them game in game out like it's starting to get a little frustrating and a little repetitive like it's not something new it's the same things that are bubbling up game after game the same mistakes the same critiques we have, the same criticism, and it's just getting a little sickening. Like, I'm just kind of tired of the same conversation because they can't improve on some parts of their game that they need to improve on. The buzz term that's being thrown around right now is heavy hockey. Like, I just... If I hear the word heavy hockey one more time, like, I understand what it means, and and yeah, they need to play heavier, but dude, that term is being thrown around like crazy. Well, like I said, though, because it that's the one school of thought. Like like I just said, like I'll reiterate, like they're still on pace for their best season ever points-wise. They had eight games without their starting goaltender. But the heavy hockey debate comes in where you're like, is this team built to win in the postseason? Like there's no professional sport that ramps up the intensity from a physicality perspective like the NHL does. And... When you watch this team, like I know some people don't buy into this and that's fine. But when you watch this team, they're so soft. And it's like, sure, they look really good skating up and down the ice, entering the offensive zone, passing around on the power play and all that skilled stuff, which is really good. But when you're in a seven game series where you're battling for every single inch of ice, It's like, is this team built to win in that sort of environment? I don't know if they are. And I feel like a lot of people share that viewpoint. 
No, I, I, I honestly believe I don't think they are built for the playoffs and heavy hockey, being physical. But what's really concerning me right now is just them just getting out skated all over the ice. Like even them skating with the puck through the neutral zone, they're slow. Getting in on the forward check, they're slow. They're always hemmed in their own zone. They never get a cycle going in the offensive zone. They never get repeated shots, time in the O zone. It's always just the other team dominating possession and them chasing, and they don't really have that heavy style to get that puck back. So if you don't have that heavy style, you got to play one way. You have to have possession, and you need to skate fast through the neutral zone, into the O zone, pass the puck, find lanes, four check cycle, but they're not doing any of that. And it's really concerning how this is a speed hockey team and they're getting out skated by pretty much every team in the league. That's worth a damn, like whatever the Vancouver Canucks, the New Jersey devils, those teams are not elite hockey teams. They're not playoff teams, but when they're playing these teams that are going to be in the playoffs, this is why we don't think they're built for the playoffs because they're losing to these hockey teams and getting out skated badly, getting out worked too like really getting outworked their slumping is all throughout the lineup too like you've got Austin Matthews one goal in his last 10 Nazem Kadri one goal in his last 18 and then good old Willie one goal and two assists in his last 16 so it's like you're not gonna win very much when your best guys are performing at that level in the second and third line, like presuming the Matthews line is the second line, which we all think it is, and then the Kadri line, the third line, those lines are really concerning right now because you can't really have an argument for Tavares and Marner and Hyman. Like Hyman's the only somewhat heavy hockey player they have. Mitch Marner is one of the top point getters in the National Hockey League, and John Tavares is one of the top goal scorers. But that second line, that third line, coming into the season, we were bragging about the depth, the scoring depth. But when those two lines, your second and third line, are supposed to be scoring lines and they're not scoring, like that that's that's a recipe for disaster and not winning. And that's like they need to if this is an offensive hockey team, they're not showing much of it right now. And that's what they need to do to win. All right, I don't think we should put this off any longer. It's been a difficult couple of games for one Jake Gardner, Ryan. Specifically last night, he got blatantly outworked in his own zone by Carl Soderberg in it was it was an astonishing thing to watch quite frankly Soderberg and him racing after the puck in the defensive zone he just flat out outworked him took the puck away and buried it past Anderson Leaf Twitter was ablaze after that Gardner was getting booed in Scotiabank Arena after that happened let's talk about Jake Gardner as the as a player. What is up with Jake Gardner as a player? I think all this is just a culmination of him playing here for so long. Like last night. Okay. He came out and he said, yes, or like I, he made a bad play and it resulted in, in a goal. Okay. And that looks really bad. And with the team playing so poorly right now, it looks even worse, but where the frustration comes in is this isn't like, the one of the only plays that Gardner's done this. Like he has a long history of not just being like a bad hockey player. It's just like his lack of intensity and his lack of like mental toughness. And in some and, games, and, and he's awareness. Just, yeah, he's mental just out awareness. Of it. I liken Jake Gardner to like uh, uh, a sketchy quarterback, like a Kirk Cousins. Like 
all the talent in the world, but he's going to throw a big interception at some point. You just know it. And that's what Gardner is to me. And I think that's why people get really upset with him is he he's going to make a mistake and it's going to be a big one and it's going to be a glaring one and it happens over and over and over. And it gets to the point where you can't look past the skill and offensive ability. You're just like, this guy's an absolute liability when he's out there. The, the problem with the, the play last night is it wasn't just like a pizza up the middle trying to hit a guy and then the guy intercepted the pass. It was just flat out not working hard enough and not being mentally tough and focused and physically prepared. And that's an embarrassing play. Like he got just stripped of the puck and not by like a David Pasternak, by some fourth line bum. Like it wasn't like some skilled Sidney Crosby. It was a fourth line bum who just simply outworked him. And it was awful. Soderbergh, and it doesn't help Gardner when Soderbergh comes out after the game and says, quote, I could feel like he wasn't really going at the puck, so I had a chance to catch it before him, and I did. So basically saying, I knew this guy wasn't giving it his all, so I knew if I gave it my all, I could win the battle and score, which is exactly what and it happened. looked like a lack of effort. It wasn't like Gardner was skating hard to the puck and like something he, he fell or he tripped or he did whatever. It's just he looked like he was lollygagging to the puck and he just looked like he was looking behind him. He could tell some guy was behind him and he just wasn't there. Jake Gardner mentally not there again. And there's a brutal giveaway. One of the, probably one of the worst giveaways you could do in hockey, not just a pizza up the middle, a one where you're not working, not skating, not putting in effort. Yeah. And that type of mistake is like our sister Kelly was at the game last night. Shout out Kelly. She's watching. She's not the most technically sound hockey fan in the world, but she can look at that play and go, that guy just mailed it in on that effort. So it's like, that's where, and this is a good transition into the fan response, that's where the fans and the booing starts is because even somebody who isn't a expert or someone who like studies and knows everything about the game can look at Jake Gardner and go, this guy stinks. Sometimes when he's out there, this whole booing thing, it's just, it's just a mess. It's a whole conversation. If you just look at last night and just that play, one play, forget about the past. Like I'm okay with them booing him because that's an awful hockey play. That's an awful hockey play. But when you start adding in the history of Leaf fans kind of turning on a player, then it starts to get a little more interesting. I don't know what annoyed me more. This is, again, this the one word that we can use to describe this Leaf team is polarizing because it's always just opposite takes, right? I don't know what annoyed me more. Is it the nut jobs who go on Jake Gardner's Instagram and write absurdly awful things and just take a hockey play and turn it into something personal and attack the guy personally? Or is it the other end of the spectrum where people on Twitter go into hero mode and are like, don't boo your own guys, man. Do better than that, Toronto. It's like, listen, if you don't attack the guy personally, you paid your money, you're allowed to boo, okay? The whole don't boo Jake Gardner thing, it's a little, like, relax. Like, get off your high horse. That's just my opinion. That that play last night, he deserved, I don't know if he deserved to be booed, but, like, that was an awful play, and if you weren't happy with it and you paid money to show up and a guy puts in that effort, I get you being upset. But I think people, people are coming to the fence of Jake Gardner being like, don't do that to Jake Gardner. But 
when it comes to fans booing their own players, I kind of see the argument of this this kind of like right now it's all right, but if you go down the go down the road into the future, maybe some big free agent. I know John Tavares just signed here, but guys re-signing or signing in the future could go, you know what? These guys, these fans are gonna boo me after after one lousy play. Like, screw this! I'm not signing. Here. It hasn't been. But if you really look into it, though, with Gardner, it hasn't been one lousy play. And Leaf Nation has a history of doing this, turning on certain players. Look no further than Dion Phaneuf. Yeah, and, and, and the list goes on too. You look at Brian McCabe. Brian McCabe was one of the best offensive defensemen the Leafs maybe ever had this guy racked it up on the power play and but once he went downhill whoa booing started for that guy and the and the chirps and the get McCabe out of town and then you go back even further there was an article today about Larry Murphy talking about him getting booed in Toronto and Larry Murphy was a damn good defenseman and he had a rough time here and he got booed out of here so that's why I feel like some Leaf fans who've been around for a long time get a little touchy about the booing because they understand the long-lasting effect it has on players coming here or players like just having the right attitude wanting to play here because the fans can turn on you pretty quick. Marner and Riley both spoke about Gardner getting booed after the game and they did not seem very impressed with the fan base about it. And here's my problem with the here's my problem too. It's like, okay, I as much as anyone thought that play was garbage, like it was awful, but you got to be careful here though. If you're Maple Leaf fans, like kind of, if you could turn that quick and I know it's Gardner and it's like, we everyone's hard on Gardner and he's had so much history, but any player can be like, well, what if I make a play like that? Like what, what if they're going to just gonna turn on me and boo me? Like it's, it's not a great look on the fans in the player's perspective, because I know the, the players are supposed to care about the fans. Yeah, we pay our money. But when you're playing in the NHL, doing the daily life, like you really don't know what the average Joe is thinking. Plus, that arena is dead silent, too. So it's like the only time you guys are going to make noise is if you boo. Yeah, it's true. I like not to get off on a tangent here, but like this whole, and we talked about Scotiabank Arena before, but this whole notion that Leaf Nation, and it's not necessarily the fans' fault. That environment in that arena is extremely corporate, which can which contributes to everyone being quiet and not as like rowdy, I guess. But yeah, this whole notion that like Toronto is the hockey mecca of, I guess if in the in the playoffs when they do Maple Leaf Square and it's like those are the fans out there who are really going nuts and into it. Everyone in the arena is just like a corporate suit who's not that emotionally invested. Yeah, like, I, honestly, I'm kind of in the middle here. Like, like at one one side, you're like, okay, he sucks. That play was awful, and he's been brutal lately. And he, does, he needs to be better, and he's a professional hockey player who gets paid a lot of money to be good, and a lack of effort's unacceptable. But it's also, on the other side, it's just the history of Leaf fans. Like, we can turn on someone pretty quick, I and mean, sometimes we can be our own worst enemy. And it's, yeah, this is the hockey mecca of the world. We know it's the hockey talk mecca of the world because one thing happens and there's 700 articles on it. But it's like that building is is not, it's probably not a lot of fun to play in if you're a Maple Leaf. You almost feels like you're at a road game probably. Yeah, it's, it's not the greatest. And just to give Jake a little bit of a, cut him some slack here, his defense partner, one Nikita Zaitsev, has been brutal for weeks now 
And I, I like they those two got manhandled by the Boston Bruins on Saturday night, and then they got manhandled again by the Colorado Avalanche last night. The Zaitsev thing, I don't even know where to begin with this guy, Ryan. Like he it's like it's on the one hand, it's like you look like I heard a lot of guys today being like, Well, you gotta get you gotta get Hainsey off the top pair with Riley. And it's Hainsey's like, not the problem at all. I've actually I, well, liked Ryan, Hainsey's game. Ryan, Ryan, I heard an argument today going off about Ron Hainsey, and it's like, listen, yes, he's not a top pair defenseman. We're all in agreement on that. But you who are you gonna put up there? Gardner? No. Zaitsev? Hell no. Dermot is too young and still learning the ropes. And so is Ojiganov, who actually had a nice goal and was probably the only defenseman who played half decent last night. Yeah, like Ron Hainsey's not the problem. I've actually liked Hainsey's game for the most part. It's a great D partner for Riley. He's given him the opportunity to be offensive. He's always got his back. And it, it, Come on, don't bring Ron Hainsey into this. This is all about Jake Gardner and what he's done in the past and the repeated mistakes, the repeated mental lapses he has. And people are just sick of seeing it. And he's an offensive player. But, like, is he really that offensive? You know, like, sometimes I feel like he's a little overrated in that respect. So he's not Eric Carlson, you know? Like, he's not bringing that amount of points to a hockey team. So if you're not doing that, you better be pretty damn good in your own end. And he's not most of the time. Where are you at on Zaitsev? He just doesn't really do anything. You're right. He just gives the puck away. He doesn't really do anything offensively. Yeah, he's a great penalty killer. Soft. I could take a... I could take any guy and make him into a good penalty killer. You know, like it's nothing special. You're not a special hockey player if you're a good penalty killer. He doesn't really do anything. And that's a contract that's on their books now that looks like crap. It, it does look like crap. We go, we, um, we heap praise on Lou for getting rid of Dion and acquiring Freddie Anderson and all that sort of thing. But man, that, that Zaitsev contract is looking a little sketchy at this point. Because he wasn't great last year either. No, no, he wasn't. You know, he was awful last year. He was terrible. Like, yeah, he had a decent little first year. He, he kind of proved that he could be a little physical along the boards and had some good speed. But he really just brings a whole lot of nothing for a top four guy making that amount of money for that amount of term. This group, as currently constituted, is not good enough to take this team deep into the postseason. They're just not. What is it in your opinion? Is it talent? Is it structure? Is it personnel? Like, what is it at this point? I, I think it's just lack of personnel and lack of talent back there at this point. Like, we, we can hope that they play better on their own end. We, we've been like, yeah, maybe maybe Babcock will coach them up. They'll, they'll play a new system or whatever. But that, none of that is happening. And the reason why I believe it's a lack of talent, it's just because the teams they play, you watch the other D cores that they have. Like you look at the Bruins D and they're, they're a lot bigger and a lot more skilled and a lot better than the Leafs D core. I don't care what system they're playing, but their, their D core, the Tampa D core, they're all just better. They're bigger. They make better decisions. They're, they're just tougher. Like I, I just believe they just don't have the horses back there. The next few weeks as we get closer to the trade deadline are going to be really telling as we watch Kyle Dubas because it's plain as day that this group is not good enough, right? So if he doesn't go out and acquire some help, he's basically telling everyone that we know we're not good enough to win this year, so we're going to see how far we can go with this group and then 
try and reload next year, which I think is what's going to end up happening because I've said on this show for weeks, Ryan, they can't go out and acquire a new player and until they've got Matthews and Marner figured out. So who knows what's going to happen? So you kind of, I kind of get this feeling and it's discouraging watching some of these games where I'm just like, well, we're just sort of playing out the string and playing Boston in the first round, probably going to lose again. And it's just, it's really frustrating to watch. So I hope I'm wrong. I hope he does go out and acquire some help because I do think this team, if they have some upgrades on the blue line and just kind of figure it out a little more offensively, can go on a run in in the postseason. But I just... I don't know, man. Like, I'm with you. I think it's just the personnel is just not there on the back end. And I agree with everything you just said. I couldn't say it better myself. I don't see him doing anything, this this trade deadline of consequence. And, it, and it's not even defense. It's like, oh, you should go get Wayne Simmons. And it's like, they're not going to go get a guy who's a unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. Because in the back of their mind, they're probably thinking what you just said. We're probably not good enough to win the Stanley Cup this year, so why would we jeopardize an asset to get a guy to come in and get dusted in the first or second round? Like they're just they're not gonna do that. They're gonna everything's done in the offseason now. Like when's the last time a trade deadline, a move came with any long term positivity for a hockey team? So it's just a rental, it never usually works out, and they move on, they usually regret it. So they're not gonna do that. They're gonna run what they have this year. See what happens. It's not good enough, probably. And then they're going to figure it out. They're going to regroup and just go for next year. They're not going out and getting anyone great on the back end. And they're not going to get Wayne Simmons. So stop coming up with all these trade scenarios for Wayne Simmons, who's an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. It's not going to happen. What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for downloading the show. Don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram at Talkin' Buds Podcast, on Twitter at Talkin' Buds Pod. You can download the show on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and tune in, spread the word, tell your friends. We really appreciate all the support. Thanks. Now, let's get back to the Toronto Maple Leaf Podcast for all the buds. This is the Talking Buds Podcast. talk now about some of these struggling forwards and I don't think there's a better place to start than with Austin Matthews one goal in his last 10 games I'm not so much worried about that like the lack of production because every player slumps to me it's it's the way he looks out there now I don't know if he has recovered properly from his injury that he had a few months ago or what but he he doesn't look like the same guy out there he's kind of on the periphery he's not taking over the game the way he's been known to in the past he looks kind of like i said he's he looks kind of timid i guess i don't i don't know like like what do you see when you watch austin matthews he's just a perimeter hockey player right now to me he's just he's always on the perimeter and he has one he's one play he gets the puck, he gets into the ozone, he's on a strong side on the left side, he tries to get that wrist shot off, the defenseman closes the gap, it hits his stick and it goes wide. That's Austin Matthews' game right now. And I know he had two assists last night, 
But Austin Matthews is all about scoring goals, okay? Like, I, I assists are good, points are good. But when this guy's not scoring and he's and he's struggling at this rate he is right now, that means there is he's not playing too well and there's something wrong with him. And when I look at Matthews, I honestly think he, he can't stand the coach. I, I honestly believe that he can't stand the coach. I, don't I get know that why. I have too. no evidence of it, but I just have this feeling that he just can't stand the coach. I get that vibe too. I really get that vibe too. Like if, if the camera shows them on the bench together and he's uh, Babcock's talking to Matthews, Matthews just has that look like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big green Bay Packer fan. And I just watched um, Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy together. And the way Rodgers would look either away or at, or up in the sky or whatever, when McCarthy was talking to him is, it reminds me a lot of Matthews and Babcock. Like he's just over, hearing what Mike Babcock has to say. And it's totally different because Rodgers is a veteran, established himself in the league, won a championship. Matthews is still not really... Like, sure, he won uh, Rookie of the Year, but, like, outside of that, he hasn't he hasn't really done much. So for him, at this point in his career, to already seemingly be tuning out the coach is a little bit concerning. And he's also finding out that this is a hard league. This league is so hard to get production. I know guys, I know Nikita Kucherov is making it look really easy right now, and he has amazing players to play with. But we're kind of figuring out that Austin Matthews isn't really a guy who could carry a line by himself. Like, I, I feel like he needs someone on his line to, to help him out. He's not, I honestly believe that Mitch Marner could carry a line by himself. He's, he's that skilled. But Austin Matthews, as a goal scorer, as the type of player he is, I I don't believe he can carry a line by himself. But he's but th- that's the point though is that he's had moments in his young career where like every time he's out there it's electric and he gets the puck on a stick and it's like oh what's he gonna do now and it's like that's not happening right now. Now he gets the puck on a stick, he either gets checked or he comes across the other team's blue line and he cuts in and he shoots and it's blo- like blocked or it's just not going his way right now. It's really frustrating to watch. I can only imagine how frustrating it is for him right now. Yeah, well, and it's it's I know everyone goes through these slumps and he scored enough in his early NHL career for us to be like, "Okay, this is a slump." This is a guy who scored a ton of goals through his first couple of years in the NHL comparing to the amount of games he's played. But just right now, he's just a perimeter hockey player, and he does his speed does not look great either, Rob. Like he looks pretty slow out there. He doesn't look like he's the fastest skater on the ice, or even close to it. He looks very slow, and I think he could benefit from playing a little more physical. But given his injury history, maybe he doesn't want to do that, or it's just not built in his DNA. But he's a big boy; he can get himself into dirty areas, and I feel like adding that to his game a little bit, which is a theme throughout the whole team. The whole team could do this, but not everyone is six foot two, like 210 pounds, you know, like he just needs to get in the quote unquote dirty areas because right now that wrist shot on the strong side isn't working. Do you think being out for that extended period of time when he was hurt, um, messed with his cardio a little bit, his conditioning? Well, he's never been like a Connor McDavid type skater. Like he's never, it's not his game. He's never going to be like that. John Tavares isn't like that either. John Tavares is not a very fast skater. He's a guy who just gets in good position to score and will go to a dirty area to score a goal. And right now, if that wrist shot on your strong side isn't working, then you got to find another way to put the puck in the net because sometimes that won't always go for you. You need to find other ways to contribute and, and and help out your team and put the puck in the net. And right now, he's just not doing that. He's very perimeter. You said earlier that um, Matthews needs somebody on his line to help him. 
the obvious choice would be one of the other struggling stars, William Nylander. One goal and two assists in 16 games. Ryan has not looked good in pretty much any game he's played since he's been back. This guy, man, I don't even know where to begin with Willie Nylander. He is struggling. Well, I know in his mind, the weight of the world is on his shoulders. And you could tell every time he gets a good opportunity. Like last night, he had a good opportunity or two to get a goal. The goalie made a nice save or he, or he misses the net. He misses an opportunity. And then once that opportunity goes right by him, you could just see his body language take a downturn and he is just frustrated and he's a guy who's his whole life scoring has come easy to this guy so when it doesn't come easy he doesn't really do much else on the ice and it weighs on him a ton right now but he's kind of lumped in the gardener thing man like he's just a guy who doesn't show enough effort per shift for you to be like oh whatever he's working hard it will come it's just if he's not scoring he's not really doing anything else or contributing anywhere else on the ice and it's frustrating to watch not to get off topic, but that's something that uh, was talked about today a little bit in the media is is the um, the give a you know what factor is doesn't appear to be there. Like they they kind of go out and just sort of lollygag around and are relying too much on their skill, and I think that's a lot of the reason why you're seeing these guys like they're not hard enough on the puck, and I think that's why you're seeing a lot of these guys go through the slumps they are right now and they have three lines that are all kind of cut out of the same cloth they're all supposed to be scoring lines but that third line with Kadri with Marlowe like those two those are those are two hockey players who are supposed to be offensive contributors who aren't contributing offensively and Kadri yeah he plays with a bit of an edge but not consistently game in game out and Marlowe kind of is lumped in that too like if he's not contributing offensively he's not really doing anything else not a hard four checker Patty Marlowe is flat out invisible and has been for a while and that's tough when your third line isn't a line that can like get in there and work hard and grind and cycle and get some offensive zone time like and Marlowe's just a veteran right now is supposed to be contributing offensively and he's just not doing that what about Nazem Kadri? One goal in his last 18. I'm willing to give him a bit of a break because nobody's hit more posts this year than him, but he is struggling. He's not on the pace he's, he was on for the last two seasons. Yeah, and it's just that line, like overall, like Kadri's kind of one of those guys. Like we all love his edge. So if he played with an edge every game, game in, game out, you'd be like, okay, it's kind of like the Hyman effect. At least Hyman's first in on pucks, always working hard. You could always give him a break on the offensive opportunities. But when Kadri kind of like, sometimes Kadri's a bit of a suck face going on. And he especially has one right now because he knows he hasn't scored in forever. And his offensive production isn't even close to what it was the last two years. Even though he's probably getting less ice time this year than he has in the past two but they're kind of they all got kind of like sleepy bad body language right now because they're not contributing offensively and that's affecting their game. And all this has uh, really affected their positioning in the standings now. They're one point up on Boston, only three points up on the Habs. Like if they don't get this turned around, Ryan, like we like we're all just sitting here and everyone's just resigned to the fact that oh they're playing Boston in the first round. If they don't get this turned around, Ryan, they could be playing Tampa in the first round as a wild card team. Dude, that's what's frustrating me the most right now. It's just looking at the standings. It's like, okay, they're on record points for in a season. Guys are having career years. But yet it's like, 
it, they're in that log jam now. Like Tampa's gone, but then if you look past Tampa, it's like the Leafs, the Bruins, the the Habs, the Sabers. You look at the other side. There's Pittsburgh. There's New York. There's Washington. They're all kind of lumped into that. 60 to like 52 point range and they're all starting to jam together and it's like yeah we might be having a career year but you look at the standings it's like you go in a bad slump like they're in a wild card spot because the Habs are playing really well right now and the Bruins are playing really well right now and keeping that position and getting home ice like I know I know we dump all over Scotiabank Arena but we've seen the way this team plays at TD Garden and the effect that that hostile environment has on some of these young kids. Getting home ice in that series against Boston is so, so important in my opinion. How have the last two Game 7s in TD Garden gone? Horribly. But right now, I'm scared that they won't even be in the top three position in the Atlantic. You look at the Habs, like, everyone was questioning the Habs are going to be a horrible team this year. Look at them. They're right behind them. Yeah, and they're, they're playing well. They're them. getting better. Yeah, the, the Leafs have 58 points. The Habs have 55. Yeah, and it's and like in the, the two the wild Bruins, card teams aren't far behind the Leafs either. The Bruins go in on Saturday night and beat the Leafs. And then on Monday night, lose to the Habs in OT. And that's a point for the Bruins still. There, There's an extra point for the Bruins. There's an extra two for the Habs. And look at the Islanders. Oh, John Tavares is leaving. They're going to be awful. They're right in there. They're right in the wild card spot, right in their division, fighting. They're right behind us. It's it's starting to get a little scary. That's where I get scared right now. It's like it, it was it was a shoe-in to be a two or three seed. And right now it's not. I don't feel that way. Before we start, before we do our weekly segments, Bums and Beauties and Tuts, I want to uh, I, I want to just cap this sort of team conversation off. Like I, I want us to both give our opinion, like, what is the one thing, Ryan, that you think needs to get turned around? Like, what is the biggest problem right now? We've kind of glossed over a whole bunch of them, but what is the one main thing that you think needs to get turned around? I think Austin Matthews needs to start start scoring goals again. For me, it's not like player specific; it's team specific. At what point? are these guys going to flip the switch? And a little bit of this blame goes on the coach too because he prepares them and he's the one that has to get the best out of his players. That's his job. He's paid very well to do that. At what point are we going to flip the switch and realize that we can't just go out there and coast around and score six goals every night? Like, at what point are these guys going to understand you have to be first in the corner on pucks? You have to win battles. You have to skate hard every single shift. You have to get back in your own zone. We hear these guys night in and night out say things like, well, you know, we got to play a heavier brand of hockey. We got to get better. That other team outplayed us. You know, in this league, it's all about going out there and doing all the little things right. It's like, but then you watch them and it's the same thing every night. And this is what frustrates me. It's the same things we saw last year. And maybe I'm not pointing the finger at the coach enough, which is shocking for me because I'm always the first one to get on Babcock. But like, when when are we going to flip that switch? When are we going to realize that what we're doing and how we're playing is not good enough. It is so frustrating to watch. It's the same thing, hemmed in their own zone, losing battles. Like, it's just like, guys, at what point are we going to realize that being skilled is not enough? Like, and then I, I hate the argument where it's like, 
oh, you know, Tampa's built exactly like the Leafs. They're built, they're, they're not a tough team. It's like, it's not about being tough. It's not about going out there and running a guy over. It's about skating hard, being first on the puck. With the exclusion of Zach Hyman, nobody else on this team right now is doing any of that. And you watch, they're going into Tampa tomorrow night. How many times is Tampa going to be first and on the puck in both ends of the ice? So many times. And you, you, you combine that grit and that desire to win with the God-given skill and ability that this team has so much of, and you're, you go to another level, but they're not going to another level right now because the talented guys, the top guys, aren't, they're just not giving it their all, shift to shift, they're just not, and if you disagree with that, I'm sorry, I don't know what to tell you, but that's, that's how I feel watching this team. Defense is different, defense is a talent deficiency. The defense core is just, the personnel is frankly not good enough. The forwards are not doing what needs to be done, shift in and shift out, night in and night out to win these games. And I don't know, and if that, if if this is going to be the way it is for the rest of the season, and they go and get bounced in the first round again, it's time to take a look at the coach and be like, why can you not motivate these guys to get to the next level? Yeah, you just hit a key right there. Like, I, I'm starting to think that right now. It's like, I, I, you know what? Badcock is a guy to be respected. He's one of the... Yeah, he coached. He has a Stanley Cup ring. He was the coach of all those great Olympic hockey teams. He's he's kind of funny in the media. You like the way he comes off. He seems like a good guy. Just a good human being. But, like, you're starting to think, like, maybe this guy is starting to drive these guys a little nuts. And when it comes down to the franchise players versus the coach, usually the franchise players win that battle. Well, Ryan, it's 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 not like to, to cut Babcock some credit, okay? Like, another bit of finger-pointing here needs to go to some, uh, like, the fact that this team has been built solely to be a skilled hawk and they've just drafted a lot of the same guy. They're all great players. I love all of them. This is one of the best leaf teams of my lifetime. I'm not taking that away from anyone or the team or anything like that, but it's like Kyle Dubas came out a couple weeks ago and was pretty emphatic about how he thinks the way they're building the team is the right way to go and cited Tampa and all that sort of thing. And Ryan, there's a reason in Pretty much every single media scrum Babcock talks about heavy hockey. He knows that this roster is isn't tough enough. Yeah, I, I agreed. Yeah, I, I don't want to get too hard on the coach. It's, there's just some things I see from the coach that if I put myself in that locker room as a player, he would drive me a little bit nuts sometimes. Oh, yeah, 100%. And he does things, too, that still drive me crazy. It's like last night. It's like the Matthews line isn't going, so let's take Janssen off that line and put Marlowe up there. It's like, what are you doing? Like that's not the answer. Janssen's played well. Kapanen plays well. And we're going to take them off the line and put Patty Marlowe, who's done a whole lot of nothing for the last few weeks up there. It's insanity. Like, that's where Babcock doesn't help himself is when he does things like that. With hindsight being 2020, though, I'm starting to understand why he loved Leo Komarov and Roman Polak so much. Like, we could talk about putting Komarov on the power play or him starting in overtime, but those are two guys who just came out, and one thing you were guaranteed with those two guys was edge, effort, and playing, quote-unquote, heavy hockey. So right now, well, the way they're playing, I'm starting to kind of understand why he loved those guys so much because they're missing a Leo Komarov in that Boston game. They're missing a guy with that edge and the ability to get under under people's skin because Mark Hunter, what we heard was Mark Hunter is going out and he's drafting players. When Mark Hunter was the scout, he was drafting players and they're just all skill players. 
And that was a couple of years ago. So now we've, we've kind of seen what that's turned into and what it's turned into is too many guys cut out of the same cloth. And maybe that's not the best recipe for winning hockey. And that's not Mark Hunter's fault. You want to get the best player you can, but we're starting to learn that maybe too much skill on one hockey team, too many players that are the same, isn't a recipe for winning hockey or hockey that will take you far in April and May and June. Well, what's your response to the people? Because there's a bunch of people listening right now who will refute your claim and say, well, look at Tampa. Tampa doesn't have Yeah, but they're, have not, they're not as good as Tampa. Like, I'm sorry. They're not as good as Tampa. They don't. No, no one other team is playing at the level Nikita Kucherov is playing right now. He has 75 points in half a season. No one's done that since Mar- Mario in the 90s. Okay? No one's playing like that. They don't have Victor Hedman. They don't have Ryan McDonough. They don't have Dan Girardi. They don't have any of those. Like, their back end is stacked. Remember the Rangers that made the Stanley Cup final a couple years ago? Their top pair was Ryan McDonough and Dan Girardi. And now they're on, like, the now they're on the second and third pair for this hockey team. They don't have that. Yeah, and on the top pair is a Norris Trophy winning defenseman. Exactly. And, they don't, and their goalie is just as good as Freddie. And they got Braden Point, who's just as good as Marner. They got Kucherov, who's better than anyone on their team. Stamkos is Tavares. And they also got a bunch of guys on the third and fourth line who work their ass off, who are good hockey players. And they're not getting bullied at any rink either. Like, if you actually sit down and watch the Tampa Bay Lightning, they're not a soft hockey team. They may come off as soft because they're skilled, but they're a lot heavier than the Leafs are. Well, that was, like, the point I just made is, like, it, like... Yeah, they play heavy. You don't like people like the the guys who are so anti like toughness and are just so on like skill, skill, skill. Like they just they jump right to like, well, that's not how they play. And it's like, yeah, playing heavy hockey doesn't mean you go out there and run guys. It just means you're first in on pucks and you win battles and you make every shift hard for your opponent. If you're comparing the Toronto Maple Leafs to the Tampa Lightning right now after the Lightning's year this year, then that's your fault. Then that's just your thinking and you're just letting yourself down because that's not the case at all. This hockey team is so much better than the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're so much better than any other team in the National Hockey League. So don't compare the Leafs to the Tampa Bay Lightning, please, because it's not even close. All right, on that note, (laughs) let's move into Bums and Beauties. It's time to find out who's a bum and who's a beauty. Take it away, buds. No shortage of picks this week in the bum category, Ryan. So I'm going to let you go first. Who is your bum of the week? My bum of the week. Oh, man, there's so many dudes. I'm still fired up from that Tampa conversation. I got to settle down here for a second. But I think my bum of the week this week is Nikita Zaitsev. And we talked about him earlier. And he might have been your pick, but he's going to be mine. And it's just a guy who's just not doing a whole lot of anything on the ice right now except taking up space and being a top four quote-unquote top four defenseman he's not a top four defenseman on any good hockey team in the national hockey league he's not really doing anything he doesn't contribute much offensively 
He's he's soft at his own end right now. His first year as a Leaf, I actually liked. He showed a little physicality to me, like along the boards, in his own zone. And I feel like all of that's just kind of gone away. And he's not really doing much right now. So I'm going to pick on Zaitsev and make him my bum of the week because he's not playing very well right now. And he's, he's tough to watch. I didn't want to pour it on Jake Gardner, so I avoided that. I was going to do... Um... Zaitsev as well because that pairing has been abysmal but you just pointed it out so I'll make a last minute change here and just make my bum Patty Marlowe he uh the guy has is largely invisible doesn't do a whole hell of a lot I'm sure he's a veteran presence great in the room all the guys love him and that is about I'm some people don't put much stock in that I'm someone who does I think that is important but at the same time it's like you're getting paid a lot of money I know that maybe his best days are behind him but he's still got to go out there and do something and he, I'm not seeing anything from Patty Marlowe right now so he is my bum of the week yeah not doing much of anything I'm, I'm with you on that one all right beauty of the week go all right my beauty of the week is Michael Hutchison I know the Leafs have been struggling and people are the first the first thing people point out, oh, they didn't have their starting goaltender. This guy played just as well as he could stepping into a situation like this, wearing another team's pads. <laughs> you love him in the Florida Panther pads. Oh, dude, I'd be so self-conscious if I were him just playing in a blue uniform wearing Panther pads. God, <laughs> I would hate that. Well, he's got to wear the gear that's worked in. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what I thought too. It's like he's just comfortable in these. He's not going to switch now, but... You can if you want to blame the goaltending for their struggling, then you you go ahead and do that because that's not that wasn't the problem whatsoever. Yeah, he let in the odd weak one, but he's not he's not an elite goaltender, and I thought he did the best he could stepping into a situation that was placed in front of him, and I thought he played really well actually. I thought he gave him the chance to win most nights he started. My beauty of the week, yes, this is a recording, Mitchell Marner. In a time where so many guys are slumping, Mitchell Marner is not one of them. This guy is going to get rewarded handsomely at the end of the season. The goal he scored last night against the Avalanche was incredible. He take What we're not seeing from Austin Matthews right now, we are seeing from Mitch Marner. He takes over every shift he's out there. He is so dynamic. Like I said, yes, this is a recording. He is just fantastic. I He makes me... he. He was a bright spot in an otherwise dismal, dismal game last night. I'm going to give Mitchie credit too because we harped on the power play last week. And in the Boston game, you know what he did? He finally shot the puck and look what happened. Scores. Short side on Tuka Rask. And then last night he goes in on a rush. He shoots the puck. He scores. Two nice shots. Two hard shots. Two beauty goals. I'm happy to see him finally let go of that shot on the power play and no less a slap shot. I didn't know he had a slap shot. Yeah, that was it was it was pretty nice. His goal last night against the Avs, like I said, oh my god. Oh, beauty. Beauty. And he's a guy, you know what? He he's a guy who's actually you can see shift to shift, he's making a difference. He's always doing something positive. And he's always skating hard. He's always back checking hard. Yeah, he's not going to go in and nail some guy on a forward check, but you can see the consistent effort from him shift by shift, and that's why you love him. That's what I said, man. He it, what we want from Matthews, we're getting from Marner. He he takes he's so so dynamic. One last time, yes, this is a recording. All right, before we do tuts, let's do our little uh, week look ahead that we usually do here. Three games and four nights coming up this week. You and I just had a passionate rant each about the Tampa Bay Lightning, and we're going to get to see them firsthand on Thursday night. The Leafs head into Tampa. 
is this, in, in your opinion, is this a good thing or a bad thing for them right now? They're in the worst slump they've been in in the last two years, in my opinion, and they're going in to play the best team in the league right now. Is this a good thing for them or a bad thing for them? Oh, dude, I honestly, like, that, that, that's a tough question because right now you say it's not a good thing because Tampa's really not losing to a lot of hockey teams right now. But it, it's almost a good thing because it's like... Th- they're not beating elite teams in the league right now, teams that are going to be playoff teams. And this is the best team in the NHL. They already got the president's trophy wrapped up in a bow. And let's go in. Let's we're down in the dumps. We need to play desperate hockey. And if you need to prove yourself, this is the hockey team you prove yourself against. So it could be a good thing, but also it could be very ugly, very early. And it could be very concerning. I think it is a good thing. We've talked uh, a bit on the show about, the give a bleep meter that this team has and going in and playing a team that like you said has already wrapped up the president's trophy that should that should i don't you, there's something wrong with you if you can't get pumped up to play that game so i think this is the right opponent at the right time i'm choosing to have a positive outlook to get them to sort of get, get their you know what together and go out there and just compete man compete even if they go out there tomorrow night and lose another one that's fine like the last time they played Tampa I was okay with that I thought they played well and they just didn't have some bounces go their way so just get it together go out there show this team and the rest of the league that like this this is just a slump that we're in and we belong on the same ice surface as this Tampa team after that the following night Friday night they head to Florida to play the Panthers again Michael Hutchison will be not Michael Hutchinson won't be in the building with his Florida Panther gear, so you can relax. In a rare occurrence, they aren't playing Saturday night hockey night in Canada. Yeah, I yeah. saw that. I, I was surprised when I saw that. I'm like, wow, no Saturday night game. I know they have a back to back. It's the whole Florida situation, but no Saturday. That's pretty shocking. They play the following night, Sunday night at Scotiabank Arena against the Red Hot. Super dangerous cup contending Arizona Coyotes. Well, man, the way the Leafs are playing right now, they they could very well make that a very true. <laughs> they yeah, the way they're playing right now, they can make the Coyotes look like a cup contender. And but like, but here's here's the Leafs season right now. They they struggle against the playoff teams and they're beating up on the bad teams, which is which is a, like you want to see them beat up on the bad teams, but. If they get smoked in Tampa and they go into Florida the next night, you don't know. They usually don't really play that well in Florida on that back-to-back Florida trip that they usually do twice a year. And I'm a little concerned if they go and get smoked in Tampa in the next night. But if they don't beat Tampa, then they got to continue picking up these two points against hockey teams that aren't playoff teams like the Panthers and like the Coyotes. If they struggle over these next three games, Ryan, it's going to get ugly oh yeah it's gonna and it'll be the first time that the this group of kids has really seen how it gets around here when this team does not play well yeah no it gets it gets ugly and with people some like it's just it's overreaction it's it's not like i don't even know if it's overreaction at this point but you know some Lee fans are gonna be going nuts if they play like crap the next three games all right let's wrap this baby up with some totally unqualified takes Yes, let's get some totally unqualified takes. I've been thinking about it. I'm ready to go. Hit the music. Some tut. It's time for Talking Buds. Totally unqualified takes.
All right, well, you just hyped your tut up pretty good, Ryan. So I've let you go first all evening. So go first again. All right. Well, actually, the tut, the, the tut's kind of difficult because this team's hard to read right now because it's 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 like and also tuts. It's like you want to you want to th- look at the week coming up or do you want to kind of make a broad season tut? But I'm gonna make mine a one game tut and I'm gonna say that they pick up a victory against the Lightning on Thursday. And oh, I'm going out on a limb saying baby. That. Oh man. But they need it, man. I like, like they're it. Due, I they like haven't it. been playing well in 2019, and I don't care if they're playing the best team in the league. They need they're to. On the I road. know they're going to come out and play well. They're on the road. They've played better on the road all season, and they they just like they do. They need like they played well in Tampa last time. Like we could all say, I even they lost that hockey game. The goalie stood on his head, and they played real. That was probably one of their best games of the year, even though they lost. And I could see them coming out, getting fired up for that hockey game. And I'm predicting a win because I want to see a win. And I honestly believe this hockey team has the guts to come out and play well that night. So I'm predicting a Maple Leaf victory against the Lightning. I'm going to piggyback on your tut and make it about that game as well. And I'm going to agree with you and say they do pick up two points against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And it is mostly on the back of an absolutely lights out performance by Frederick Anderson. Well, they're, they're going to need it because the guy at the other end is is fantastic man he's so I, yep. good i think he i think i think they play well i'm not saying they go in there and stink and he steals them one but what we know about this team is that if they need if they're gonna win they need two or three really big saves and so i see they win so your tut is they pick up two points against tampa bay my tut is they do that and freddie anderson is first star all right I, let's let's hope let, let, let's kind of hope that and hopefully it comes true let's put some positivity out there and hopefully it comes back around and and it comes true it comes to fruition and with that that'll wrap up episode 15 thanks everybody for downloading and checking us out really passionate one today rye yeah i know honestly there was so much stuff to cover like i hope i made sense at some point because there was so much stuff going through my mind so much stuff i wanted to say Stuff that I haven't, like, there's sometimes you're like, I agree with this, and then the next second you're like, eh, I don't know, I don't know if I agree with that when it comes to the whole Jake Gardner booing situation, but very passionate time for this fan base, man, and very polarizing, and hopefully we can get a streak coming up of some W's and just shut everyone up. Couldn't have said it better myself, and I will let that conclude episode 15. See y'all next week.
Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com. Come on, let's go to the Blue Hotel. The podcast that goes everywhere the imagination dares. It's for the open-minded, the pleasure seeker. It's Jeff Woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality, theme-based with special guests, the Blue Hotel Hotline, and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story. Get a room and listen in at the Blue Hotel. Begins Friday, September 23rd.